Welcome to Regulars Anonymous. With host, Zachary Landry. Sitting down with the people who are standing in line behind you at the grocery store. And hearing what they have to say. I'm thinking a lot about theory when it comes to feminism and art. Mm -hmm. And trying to put those things together as an individual in the world who's interested in things that are very, I would even say neutral, but as a woman in the arts, it's interesting that my entire aesthetic has been based on, I would say, masculine themes. Mm -hmm. It's how it reads to me anyway, but it's hard to know. Like, have you seen some of the photographs that I've made recently? Yes, you have a lot of pro prior projects. But yes. Yeah, your stuff recently. Yeah. Going, uh, would you say going back to Futility Index? Yeah, I think Futility Index was when I really started to use photography as my main medium. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I love that series so much is because it's all about balance. Mm-hmm. And it's about this neutral white space. There's light from every angle. And the objects are somehow abstract. Because when I take the objects and combine them together, they almost transmogrify into something new. Mm -hmm. And I found myself choosing objects based on their weight, obviously, because they had to be in balance with one another. But then it started to get deep really fast because I had options between objects. Mm. And so then it became, what does this object say? What does this object mean? And all of the time, I prefer to choose something that is very vague. And I know that that's just to me. Mm -hmm. But I find that if I can look at an artwork and feel that I have a personal connection to it and that it's very unique to me as a viewer, then I think it's successful. So the objects I was choosing were very neutral. And in a way, that's kind of my goal with art is to make something so neutral that you become fixated by it in a very curious way. And you can't decide if it's masculine or feminine Mm. it's neutral and so by doing that my hope is that children can look at it and find some in adults can look at it and find some in people from different cultures and countries can find something there needs to be some kind of universal entrance into the work and that's what happened as a byproduct of my own psychology Mm -hmm. because I want to be able to make art accessible accessible is one word but also so analogous to the mysteries of life that everybody deals with in a way that makes you reflective, but also question to know yourself and to not know yourself by looking at something to make you think deeper about what do I like? Mm. Do I like this? Is this something that I think is controversial or is this soothing? You know, it's always going to be different for everybody. We all know that art cannot please everyone, but there is no, there is no, strong message of beauty in my work i love the grotesque (laughs) yeah which is not how i would describe your work so that's interesting how would you describe it uh probably interesting is probably the word however I, uh, i honestly don't know how i would describe it and this is the thing that i struggle with when it comes to artists, because mm-hmm. I know you and I have another friend who's an artist as well. Mm-hmm. And it's so, you don't meet many of them. 
that it's difficult. Like I would describe your work to someone as like, oh yes, it's photography based mm-hmm. or performance based. Yeah. But to define what it actually is, I, I just tell people to go check it out. You, you and it's the same thing for him because it's like, he, like wall based art sculpture mm-hmm. is the broadest. Yeah. But I'm not gonna try and comment on the deeper meaning of it. But you have a right to. I do. Just so you know. Like that's mm-hmm. your right as a person looking at art. You that is your that is your I guess in a way it's your interpretation that gives it life. Mm, but I find that interpretation to be that's personal. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. you're right. I, in it the moment personal. I love going to a gallery by myself and looking at pieces and just taking the time with them. But to share that information with people, unless I'm, you know, hanging out with someone, we're chatting about it in the moment. I kind of leave it there as well. I I don't, not that I don't think about it further, but I don't share it. I don't, there's certain experiences that I find I just like to enjoy by myself. And there isn't much need for discussion unless someone's willing to, put the effort in for the discussion but like I said that's got to be kind of in the moment I think that's really interesting because that means that it's almost like a transformation for you yeah it's transformative in just in the sense that you go in and you come out it's kind of like going to see a film with your best friend and you see the film and you're both witnessing it and there are all of these angles and scenes and colors and sounds and lines from a script that you both witness at the same time but you have so much else going on inside of of yourself while you're watching it and your life experience really changes the way that you interpret things and you come out of the film and if it's a really good film Mm -hmm. you're gonna say something but if it's a really bad film <laughs> you're going to oh. say a lot more. Oh, if it's a bad film I'll say something in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> ruin it for everyone. <laughs> yeah. So, I think that in a sense the visual arts especially are so powerful in the way that they can impact someone because first of all they're pretty inert, mm-hmm. right? They're objects. And we know that ancient objects carry a lot of energy you know you go to a natural history museum or something you know the the ancient egyptian relics and artifacts that i've seen have just made me totally speechless i can't describe what they do i don't know why a golden hairbrush is so impactful on my psyche like I can't explain that I can't explain it but it's like you think about the hand that touched it you think about the hair that it went through Mm -hmm. you think about the life the artist that 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 made it yes exactly and that's why objects are so powerful and I think it's why I can't get away from them whether I'm doing performance or making photographs there's always objects making their way into the frame and I think that they could be considered as props but they're also to me characters Mm -hmm. and I'm able to activate their energy by giving them more power than what we would typically give them in a domestic scenario for example Mm -hmm. it's elevating the everyday I find is what makes things more magical and when you reframe those things and you make it more precious Mm -hmm. and you kind of put them on this pedestal of it's it's very humorous as well this kind of humorous spotlight of like hey look at this glass it's not the same as it was this morning when you put it in this scenario in this sunlight with this framing like you can do so much and it's play It's playing with what you have in the world and all of these objects that we have. Like we're sitting in the middle of your kitchen right now. Yep. For those of you who are listening, (laughs) this is the context. We're sitting in the kitchen. There's a beautiful bay window. There are these incredibly huge aloe vera plants. It's hardwood floor. The sun is coming in. There's dishes that were just washed on the counter, headphones, the fridge with magnets and 
business cards and art on it. You know, like this is an everyday surrounding and you have transformed it already into a studio. You repurpose it. Yeah, you're working with what you have and that's creativity. That is an artist's way of dealing with adversity. Yeah. So you're making space for your project in a way that is practical mm -hmm. and it makes sense and it's lovely. And I think that that is what I want to do when I'm approaching visual art and performance because life is really fucking hard, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you do or how much money you make or what your circumstances it's mm -hmm. fucking hard. Mm -hmm. And if there is a way to shine a little bit of light, a little sunbeam on the everyday, that's really important. Cool. That is super important because it, especially as an artist trying to find the, what is the word that I'm looking for. You seem to take a lot of appreciation in the possibilities of what could be. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. Yes. So finding that and actually pursuing it is an extra step in a lot of people's life that they don't even consider. Yeah. Because for as difficult as life is, a lot of folk can, you know, they just kind of go through it. If it's uh, an autopilot mentality or these are the things that I need mm -hmm. to be doing yeah. and they don't ever find themselves kind of looking deeper within themselves or or the necessity to. You seem to have encapsulated that as your entire being. I really appreciate that. You know what, Zach? I appreciate you doing it. <laughs> it's it's the, it's those kinds of moments where you kind of see yourself from the outside when you have a friend who says something like that. It's not only is it heartening and encouraging and affirming of mm -hmm. what you're doing, because a lot of the times I do what I do because it's what I know. Mm -hmm. And when you hear it and and it's appreciated by someone who you trust and who you know is honest... It makes it so much more valuable, even if it's only a very small little piece of precious stone that's mined from this gigantic hellhole that is earth, you know, yeah. the human experience. Yeah. It's so beautiful to have those little gems fall into your pocket every once in a while. Well, that's what makes them valuable, right? Yes, exactly. And it's like the amount of time that it takes for a fucking diamond to form. You know, like it's yeah. all this pressurized fucking carbon. That's it. And that's, that's life. And then you get this tiny little raw <laughs> nugget and you're like, yes, I must polish this. This, this will be my favorite thing for now, from now on. And no one else has to know about it. Yeah, exactly. That, what, what this actually means to me. Yes. Yeah. And then you can give it to someone else too. Absolutely. You know, you can break it off. You can give someone else a piece of it. Give the whole thing to someone. Give it all away because it does come back. But I think that this uh, creative attitude and this kind of going the extra step, as you said, um, was really something that I was born with. Mm -hmm. And I've thought about it before and I don't question it because it's just part of who you are as, you know, as you see the world, like you said. And so as I get older, I keep getting reminded about how uncommon it is to see the world that way, yeah. which makes me feel even more motivated to do what I do. That's nice. That's nice to hear because I don't know if it'd be discouraging to some people. It absolutely could be. Yeah. I think it could be. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm definitely a nihilist. <laughs> I am an optimistic nihilist <laughs> and I'm very aware of all of the pitfalls of being an artist. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's mostly just one big fucking chasm. Yeah. It's like a giant pitfall. <laughs> like, oh, you're an artist. Okay. Um, and anything that goes along with that, right? Oh, you're an artist. Oh, you're a poet. Oh, you are a performer, an actor. Yeah. All of those things. 
anything that's not prescribed by society. Yeah, and it is difficult. Um, but I, I find that no matter what I do, I always keep coming back to the, to the creative side of things. And the absurdity of life is just so inspiring. Yeah, because the absurdity of life basically dictates that you could do anything and it will work. Because it has to. <laughs> it has to. It will. It always does. <laughs> you know, even if it is unexpected, mm -hmm. it's still going to work in some way. Yeah. And a lot of the times, things that happen in unexpected ways become new pathways and new synapses form and new ways of doing things develop. But if we continue to live in this very predictable eroded path mm -hmm. then nothing interesting is going to happen no but i think that some people also find solace in that and that's what art is for it's it's meant to kind of cajole you into a different way of looking at something even if it's just for a second mm -hmm. do you find with not taking the path of least resistance, you do have to strike a balance with where the river is flowing. Be the river, not the rock. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Just go. Yeah. That's how I feel. Just go. And if there's a confluence, break off and see what happens. Because if you know who you are, then you will always have a way back. Mm. Because your home is with you all the time you bring it with you yeah so in that sense if you are the river you are everywhere it's a system of blood flow of life and if you see it this way then you're also the rain and you're also the snow and you're also the hurricane mm -hmm. and the weather system that's going to destroy everything and then also bring life. Yeah, you are the experience. Exactly. Mm. And of course that changes with interpersonal things and, you know. How life just happens. Yeah, life has <laughs> to happen. It has, it, to. it has to happen. It has to. We all have to agree <laughs> that life has to happen. And death has to happen too. Absolutely. And, you know, as, as a fellow rider, live to ride, ride to live, yeah. when... I think about riding my motorcycle. I'm always thinking about those things too. It's a different state of mind. Mm -hmm. It's a different way of living. And it's almost like you walk into some kind of alternate time zone when you're riding. Mm. And you think about things that you don't think about when you're sitting. No, it, it can be very meditative. Yeah. And, and just your focus, like you said, it does put you in a completely different spot and you have to pay attention to things that you don't typically do. Yeah. You're a little more turned on mm -hmm. and just navigating that situation for extended periods of time can really, you know, put you, you'll find yourself in a new spot whenever you, you get off the ride. It's incredible. It is. Is this your third season riding? Second. Second? Yeah. Fair enough. Have you been out yet? Not yet, but I just renewed everything. Good, good. Tip top. Yeah, I'm good to go. But it's interesting to me because I really find deep fascination in the dichotomies of things in life mm -hmm. and the complete juxta juxtaposition of things. I think that it's absurd and I think that it's hilarious that we're riding down a highway at we won't say how fast we're going at X legal speed, speed limits. <laughs> legal speed limits <laughs> and we're wearing helmets and we're we're all we're all decked out guys yeah. no human crayons on this ride <laughs> and we're going at such an incredible speed and yet our mind slows down mm. what is that you know it's like comparing a whale to a hummingbird I just love putting those things together and I love putting myself in those situations Yeah, where it feels like something can be so massive and so molecular at the same mm. time. 
good, yeah, molecular is the yeah. way to describe it. <laughs> or atomic even. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. And that's what kind of led me to the new photo series mm-hmm. for Celestial Mechanics because when I was in France last November staying at this castle by the Mediterranean Sea, it was this really intense ancient circumstance and i was starting to get obsessed with fire okay because it was the first discovery i mean really if we think about it Mm -hmm. fire combustion and look at what it's given us everything destruction and life yeah everything yeah it's it's death it's life it's everything and we use it for so many things we use it to kill things we use it to stay alive warm ourselves cook yeah entertain yeah and as kids you know we've all we all have stories about how we discovered fire you know it's like oh this is it <laughs> the personal mo- <laughs> yeah we were all little Neanderthal kids just running around being like, check this shit out. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I got this lighter. Check I found this a lighter. Yeah. <laughs> got these fucking matches. Like, let's light them all at once. You know. I'm playing with firecrackers now. Yeah. Fireworks, firecrackers. Remember those little bombs that were like, I don't even know what the material was, but it was like sandy combustibles wrapped in a little white piece of paper and you'd throw them at the ground. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you remember those? Yeah. Yeah, just the danger of it, mm-hmm. right? It's like the life and death line. There is a line. And I think that the closer I get to that when I make work, the more excited I am about it like experiencing getting that uh, close to death trying to illustrate danger okay okay illustrating danger in a way that makes you feel enchanted Mm -hmm. and safe but also so curious about the mystery of how something was done yeah so in those photos there are explosions there are little pieces of mystery that make you wonder is it real how did you do that is it photoshop is this digital you know all of those things Mm -hmm. no it's just nature yeah you made it it's controlled chaos yeah Yeah. and that can't happen without experimentation and i think that that's just me harnessing all of my life's experiences into an image Mm -hmm. which nobody else has to know that's really not the case. I don't want that to be the central theme. The central theme is the ambiguity of the image and how it makes someone else feel. Mm-hmm. Now, in the beginning, did you mention that you felt that your work was going more masculine? I feel that it always has been in oh. some strange way. Okay. But you aim for it to be... Uh, neutral. Neutral. Yes. Yeah, I do. And... That's completely subconscious, by the way. Mm -hmm. I don't set out with that goal. I tend to reflect on it afterwards as having that And notice it. And And then I notice it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me as a human being, when I was growing up, I felt very androgynous. Mm -hmm. And I was an only kid. And I had parents that were really supportive of anything I wanted to do. I could be learning how to use the lawnmower or I could be learning how to sew a dress for a teddy bear, you know? And as I say that, it's still really unfortunate that we gender those actions, you know, like, oh, that's what a boy would do and that's what a girl would do. But Mm. actually, I didn't know the difference. Yeah. And I still kind of don't, you know, because that's how I was raised. I was raised to not question what a woman's role was and what a man's role was. To me, I could do all of it. Yeah. And I would still be Emily. And there was no question. And I had the option to dress as a girl or dress as a boy. And 
interact with all kinds of kids and go about it your own way yeah yeah and it was always that way and my parents are the reason why i was able to find myself truly and authentically yeah it seems like you've had the kind of the perfect environment to just let your creativity be and let your being be because I, I can imagine how many creative folk find themselves in an unsupportive environment and kind of stifles what their potential could have been or, you know, how they view themselves or suddenly they're thinking that they have to be a specific way. And then everyone else kind of loses out on what they could have done. Yeah. Right. And but unfortunately, more, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. Most importantly, that they lose out on themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And what I was going to say was a lot of the times that's kind of passed on from their parents' experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think the more people I meet in my life, the more grateful I am for the way that my parents raised me. Mm. And I mean, I raised myself a lot as well. And I was kind of cast out into the ocean of un the unknown yeah. for a long time. And I think that the, the reason why I was able, like we were talking about this water concept, and the reason why I was able to really truly come back to myself each time was because I just was born this way. Like you are born to, to be an artist. You're born to to be somebody who helps someone in the community or you're born to ride you're born to ride you're born to ride a motorcycle you're yeah. born to you're born to whatever your innate nature may be yeah be outside be inside be an indoor cat mm. be a you know be a butterfly <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been creating art then we'll say I think, you know what, I, th I thought about this once, and I think the first time I made a performance art piece was when I was about five. And I did not know that it was performance <laughs> art, so I don't know if that counts. Yeah. But when I look back on it, I was like, wow, I really went to fucking town on that performance. <laughs> that was awesome. And then I started taking photos when I was about seven. Can I ask what the first performance was? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember it. So... <laughs> There was this hallway in our house and it had this little alcove where you could kind of see through a little portion. Mm -hmm. And this is my photographer brain. I was imagining the audience seeing what I was doing. Okay, yeah. So I had all of these different objects. Objects, again, objects. I had all these objects lined up and I would parade each object from one side of the hallway to the other. And when I disappeared, I would transform myself into a different object. And I would have materials or pillows or stuffed animals or my parents' clothing, pots, pans, dishes, whatever. And I would just do this going, passing back and forth, almost like an animation, mm -hmm. you know, like my version of some kind of cave, Lascaux cave painting. But it was very, very absurd and very bizarre. And I thought it was hilarious. Good. Yeah. <laughs> you got to entertain yourself. If you don't like it, <laughs> why would you expect anyone else to like it? <laughs> and then I started making photos of mm -hmm. still life images. When I was, you know, seven years old, I was arranging these things. Oh, wow. And we, we all do this as children. We mm -hmm. are... We are created to be interested and play and have curiosities i think that's one thing about my work that i really love is that there's this childlike curiosity and i haven't lost that but i think that when we're all children we want to see how things work and what they do so when we're experimenting with things and exploring different materials we tend to make discoveries. And that can be about the material or about ourselves. Like, 
oh, I, uh, I was playing with this homemade bomb and it went off and I lost my left eye. Mm. I learned not to do that again. <laughs> well, your glass eye looks <laughs> phenomenal. Quite realistic. They did a bang up job on it. I'm thinking about getting heterochromia. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the next step. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, your process as an artist, do you find, because you were saying, like, in your latest uh, gallery or your set of photos, uh, I, that it was all, it wasn't digitized or photoshopped or anything. So, did you find that your trial and error process, as you've grown as an artist, has just become less and less, and you have a pretty defined way of going about putting things together? when once once the the idea kind of germinates for a little while you have a plan of execution it's definitely a germination stage mm -hmm. and you can imagine things as much as you want but when you get out there yeah. you're in the field you're working with the tools that you have you think oh fuck that is not what i expected and that happens every time yeah every single time you can imagine something as much as you want, but until you set up those lights, until you set up your camera, until you know what the temperature is like in the studio, until you have the right objects, the right set and setting, it's always going to be a quest for that. And even if you have everything you need, it's going to be different anyway, because mm -hmm. you're going to get a different idea while you're trying to make this weird thing balance on this other thing and you're like oh, fuck this isn't what i wanted to do you just tear it all apart and you start over again and that's why it's so exciting mm -hmm. and it's also very difficult to try to explain the satisfaction that comes from doing something like that mm. when you're not you don't force it but you kind of let it be yeah there's some kind of inner knowledge about materials yeah. that I have that I can't really explain. Sometimes it feels like I have x-ray vision and I can see that that's chalk paint on your cabinet. Yeah. And I know that because it's matte black, because it's in a kitchen, it could be for a grocery list. But there's no chalk on it. There's no clues for me to know that that's what it is. But I know that that's what it is. Yeah. And there might either be an ironing board in there or a control panel, you uh, know. Yeah. So it's about exploring things. It's about opening things, literally opening things up, literally destroying things to see what's inside of them, literally ripping things apart to know what their structure is. Yeah. And after doing that your entire career, you just you have this bank of knowledge that you can, yeah, like you said, you look, look at that and your list of possibilities, of what can be in there, you have pretty defined, uh, exactly. a, a defined list. Exactly. So the power of deduction that I have about materials is quite strong and I'm still learning. And that's why I love materials. I love combining different kinds of materials. And now I'm using chemical reactions. Mm. And that's something that I've not really focused on before. So when that starts happening, you develop an even deeper knowledge of the way that things are structured on a level that makes you a lot more spatially aware. And the fact that we're born in the 21st century and we're growing <laughs> up as millennials now mm -hmm. means that we have so much access to information it's insane it could drive a person insane yeah if you tried to consume all of it <laughs> absolutely you know sometimes it bottlenecks for me yeah and it's like Duh, it's so much stuff like it's so crazy and i want to know everything all at once mm. and then you know of course it's impossible but sometimes it feels like I'm that character from Fifth Element and I'm just looking at the computer screen and watching all the fucking media go oh. in and it's just this blitz. Too much. It's an attack. Yeah. It's an attack and it's overstimulating, but it's also 
inspiring. Yeah. I think. I, I think uh, a few years ago, I went out. I bought an encyclopedia set that someone was getting rid of. Books, Zachary. Books, books. and it was fun to have. <laughs> I still have it, just because you look at it and you go up until 1993. This is what was considered must have knowledge <laughs> no you were the fucking coolest kid if you had an encyclopedia oh, absolutely library come on yeah. like check this out this is what an aardvark looks like yeah like what page one now it's just unlimited <laughs> i don't even know what is the- page one of the internet google <laughs> <laughs> what's your home page <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Where do you want to go today? Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere. Anywhere and nowhere. Kind of. You can feel like you're getting somewhere and then suddenly you're like, wow, I should probably go outside just to have a, a physical interaction with something or get outside of myself a little bit. And that is what these photographs represent. Mm-hmm. They represent exploration, physical exploration into an environment, bringing it back into a studio and redefining the meaning of those objects based on how they're combined. And so how do we move forward in our lives without having a balance? But there's never one. You'll no. never find one. There's maybe moments. There are moments. As it transitions. Exactly. Gosh. There are moments, very brief moments of balance, right before you have to recalibrate <laughs> exactly. everything. Exactly. Everything get you you hit the uh, the tipping point, you fall back in your chair, now you're on your back. You go, Oh, okay. That's and interesting. It's interesting, <laughs> it's it's humbling, it's it's knowledge. Yeah. And that's what Futility Index is about. It's about capturing those moments of precarity between certainty and doubt. And none of those sculptures exist. They all fucking fell apart right after I photographed them. <laughs> Was you, did you have to like set them in motion and kind of oh time it to... Zachary, it was... <laughs> It was so bizarre what I was doing. I I had an out-of-body experience. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing down here? Like, why am I balancing all these objects? Like, this is is the fourth time that I've had to redistribute the weight of this weird sculpture so that I can make a photo. But yeah, I had to like blow on one end of them so that they would rotate. Just like staring at it. You're standing there with the camera on the tripod. You're not fucking breathing. Your heart stops. And you're just like. (laughs) Okay. Yes. I got got it, guys. I got it. And like nobody's around. You're just like. Woo. It happened. And then what? Next. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Tear it down. Set up the next one. And that's why it's futile that's Mm -hmm. why it is an an index of futility because that's life Mm -hmm. you know nobody's gonna fucking watch you win no you have to celebrate yourself oh your biggest wins are by yourself yeah yeah and you look around you're like did you see did you see that did you see what i did no nobody fucking saw what you did you have to see what you did and you have to celebrate yourself yes you got like love the idea i i've always had to be as a performer my biggest supporter and my biggest critic because if you just support yourself you get out of line too quickly and if you don't support yourself well then there's no point in doing it yeah you know you can just get too discouraged and and you just decide i'm not I'm, i'm gonna stop showing up and you can't stop showing up well a lot of people stop showing up but they're still there they're just not there you know, yeah. we all know those people. And this is what creates diseases, you know, like this is what stress does to people. Yeah. It's you're not living the life that you imagined. And that happens every single day. It happens to you and I it happens all the time. But to be honest, the life that I am living is better than the life that I did imagine. It's way more interesting because I could have never imagined it. 
Zach, that makes me feel really good. <laughs> that really does warm my heart to hear that. Well, that's what it is. When I think of the life that like I thought I would have had, and then the things, how things actually turned out, I was having a chat. I need more of what you're having. <laughs> I don't know. I need some of that potion. <laughs> Just, right now it's sunshine, but... Yes, it is. Vitamin D. Sunshine and always getting outside of your comfort zone a little mm-hmm. bit. It was... Uh... Oh, which one was that? I can't even remember right now. Which one of what? He's a philosopher. Mm. Wittgenstein. Oh, that Saying, guy. Yeah. What is it like? The only way to actually grow and develop is to have one foot planted in what you know and one foot outside of where you exist. Something along those lines. I mean, that's it. That's really it. Yeah. You know, you don't step onto the next rung of a ladder if your foot isn't on the previous one. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't... And and it's like learning to walk for the first time because all all that walking is is just a controlled fall. And unless you're willing to lift up your foot and believe that there's going to be... It will catch you whenever you set it down somewhere then you're not going to get outside your comfort zone, right? You have to believe that there will be a place to land on the other side of whatever it is that you're setting out to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just going to be, it's not just going to be a crash, you know, a hard fall. No, no, you can stroll, take mm-hmm. your time, enjoy it once you're there, once you set out for it. Yeah. But, and then everything falls apart. Yeah. You know, and then, and then the imbalance, whatever it is, whatever it is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was just, Hanging out the other day um, downtown and chatting with friends that I never in my life thought I would have spent this much time in the back alley in Red Deer. And yet here we are. And, you know, we were having just a, a moment of appreciation for each other. And it's you go, that's so much better than what, uh, you know, whatever you think you want. It's, you know, you can get a part of it. But you'll end up with what you need if if you just you say yes. You can't always get what you <laughs> yeah, want. Yeah, exactly. And you can't always get what you want. I'll always find the relevant song lyric to... <laughs> but if you try sometimes, you get you know what, what you need. You might just find yeah. you get what you need. You know, the <laughs> intro to that song with the choir... Mm. It really moves me to tears. That's a good one. Yeah. Are you gonna, about to cry? Nope. <laughs> it's the power of imagination. <laughs> but it's true. Mm-hmm. Look, we're in Red Deer. We're in this lovely home. Studio. Studio. Home, <laughs> home studio. Home studio. <laughs> overlooking this beautiful, overgrown park forest on Michener Hill. And at the top of the hill, you know what's there? A swimming pool. And a cemetery. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the dichotomies. Yes. But it's true because we don't know what's going to happen. We make plans, but no. plans don't always come true. Things don't always go to plan. And like today, for example, we didn't know we would be doing this couple weeks ago last month last year no and yet here we are oh yeah when you show up you'll end up like this is a nice representation of what i would imagine being present is Mm. you know this is the present Mm -hmm. it's a conversation you know we can both engage in it have it there's nothing really else you know i set off the chunk of time today Mm -hmm. you go let's let's meet at this point let's do this but to 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 think about the future until you're actually there it's kind of silly thing you know have a direction to go in but don't think about too much that's going to happen when you show up you know i mean like it that's why i appreciate these conversations with people because i don't know how they're going to go i don't know what you're going to say and i don't have any expectations for what you're going to say i just know that your being overall is someone that if I'm fortunate enough, I get to sit down, have a chat with, and I'll probably enjoy whatever happens either way. And that's mutual because yeah. I'm here, mm-hmm. right? 
So it, it's a commitment that we both make. Yeah. And it's vulnerable. You yeah, know, absolutely. You're putting yourself in a vulnerable state. This is your space. This is your your home. This is where you live. And then I have no fucking idea what you're going to ask me. That's it. I just kind of let the conversation dictate itself because if I had, I could have a few things off the top, you know, naturally, because there's a reason. Got to start somewhere. Exactly. But I find if you try to force the conversation a certain way, then it's just, it's not natural. Yeah. It's not fun. Mm-hmm. Or I'd much rather just hear what you have to say and we'll see where the conversation leads us. Yeah. Well, it's more chaotic. That's for sure. And I'm, yeah. I'm into that. It's controlled chaos. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Controlled chaos is the name of the game for me. And it's the way that I want to live my life. It's the way that I want to live until I die, until I breathe my last breath. You know, there are so many things in the world that human beings don't allow themselves to have. And I think that if we have conversations like this and if we do open up and we do question ourselves and we have a certain level of self-awareness which not everybody is capable of having Mm. but if you are and if you can discover that for yourself and try to let go of the ego oh yes it's really something special yeah have you ever come across other artists that you can tell that they're disappointed when you succeed. Ooh, I do not keep people like that in my <laughs> yeah, stead right? of friends. No. I mean, you can sense it for sure. Yeah. Even if it's an acquaintance, mm-hmm. my friends are extremely supportive. So yeah. I'm very lucky that I've cultivated that in my life. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine that they would still be around you if that was a sense. And that's, But there are people. There are people. There are people and... That somehow cannot change unless there is a life or death dichotomy situation for them where Mm -hmm. they are faced with something that they have to change their core being. That's very rare. That does not happen very often. But yes, there are people out there who will not give any kind of support or celebration or happiness because... They didn't get it. They don't get it. They're lonely. They're lonely people. And they, they need love. I've been burned by that, though. You try to extend and you, you kind of you get a vibe and you've been burned. And you go, listen, I'll give you another chance. And then there's just no there's no point at the end of it. I'm smiling and nodding my head. Yes. I feel very lucky that at this point in my life thus far, we're both still very young, Mm. but I feel that even now at this age, I have learned to not do that. Yeah. And I feel so empowered. And it's also because I'm a woman. I identify as a woman. I'm female. I'm a white female woman who is an artist. And I feel like, me having that knowledge of when to say no and to say these are my boundaries this is what will happen if you cross these boundaries it's almost like learning to speak a new language yeah it's empowering and i think that no matter who you are and what you do especially children i teach all of my students that all of the kids that i teach for for art are not leaving that room just knowing about art You know, it's a philosophical experience. And I think that no matter how old you are, it's important to have that at least shared with you so that you have an option of what to do when you're on the playground and someone is forcing you to do something that you don't want to do. You know, it starts really young. Yeah. Really, really young when there are these pressures. And, oh, you know... She said that she wouldn't do it again, so it's okay. And no. then and then she does it again. <laughs> exactly. And he does it again. And she does it again. And they do it again. It's like, fuck, man. No. It, it's at what point do you catch on to this pattern? Yeah. 
Yeah. It is a pattern and that's exactly what it is. And, you know, there are people who enable that behavior in other people and and that's why certain relationships just do not function. They yeah. are dysfunctional relationships. And it's really unfortunate because there are so many people who are deserving of love and they need these things, but there is a very vast area of their life where they're missing something, yeah, you know, and deficiency. I, I, and I think that can't be given by an external force. It has to be with, from within. And this is what I mean by this situation where they're faced with, do I move forward as a person who is more self-aware or do I turn inward and never grow? Mm -hmm. And I know that it's not that easy. Yeah. Well, like you said, like people don't know that they can. And yeah. I've had that exact conversation with people years ago on why don't people do this? It's because they don't know that they can. Yeah. It's all about education. Mm -hmm. It's all about emotional education as a child. Yeah. And that's why I'm so grateful for my mother because she was an emotional educator. And in my life, you know, she was a mother. She was my mother. She is my mother. She's still around. She's, she's the most eccentric woman I've ever met in my life. And that can be good and that can be bad. Yeah. And as a kid, you have to navigate your parents' personalities as well. You have to say, these are my boundaries. And that's hard too. Mm. Which oddly enough, I had an experience with that. And it wasn't, it was more recent. It was as an adult. Mm -hmm. Where you, my parents were always quite supportive in a lot of things. But then when it came to just, it was like on a fundamental level where I was like, you know, had we approached this differently, I would have wound up exactly where I'm at, but sooner. I just kind of had to take a detour here and there to find where I was going to end up anyways. That's it. You know? Yeah. And just, but having sitting, sitting down finally and going, listen, I feel like you're 90% of the way there with just trusting what I'm doing anyways. Just get on board. Yeah. Good you know? for you. Yeah. But they agreed. Yeah. It's. That's the other part of the equation <laughs> is the fear. It's the fear of what's going to happen. And I, I really have learned this so hard in the last, you know, six or seven years. Mm -hmm. What's the worst that can happen? That's my question. You know, you say what you need and guaranteed more than half of the time, someone will be like, okay, I think we can make that work. Yep. And if they don't say that, then you're still fine. Exactly. The worst they can say is no. Yep. So ask, 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 ask. And say what you think you deserve. Yep. Because that's also important, you know, for our quality of life, for being a human being in this area of the world. That's, that's all we have. We have our voices and we're so incredibly lucky that we have this form of independence. Yep. And that we have really this illusion of freedom that actually kind of holds up if we approach it the right way. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Because what you end up doing is you build momentum. And the more momentum that you've built up, well, the more access to freedom you kind of get. So definitely agree with that. And it's nice. And it's nice to see. Because especially when you see people doing that i i truly believe like just from the aspect of like oh that person has done that i could go do that as well you know understanding that you have to build up momentum to get to that point but if you see people doing it then there's got to be some sort of blueprint or a path or whatever it may be however you get there will be to your own individual but it's it's possible and that is exactly the problem with women's rights. Mm -hmm. Because as a kid, I felt like I could do anything and my parents set me up for that. Mm -hmm. And then the older you get as a woman, the more you realize that the industries you're interested in, there is no blueprint because no. you're the only one who's doing it. And so if we think about what happened in the 60s for the women's movement, I mean... It's come a long way, mm -hmm. but there's still a long way to go. And so 
when I talk about being an artist and a photographer and, you know, riding bikes and interested in the trades and all of these things that like have quote unquote masculine qualities, that's just not true. That's a cultural construct. Yeah. So when you say, yeah, I saw this person do that. I can do that too. That's how I think about anything. Absolutely. But there are a lot of people out there who are extremely marginalized people who are living their lives right now who feel like there is no previous example for mm -hmm. what they can do. And so it's a really interesting time, I think, that we're living in right now as adults. Yeah. Because well, there's huge movements going on. There is. But, but what you were just saying there with the marginalized people that feel like there's no blueprint or anything, and yet we have so much access to more information than ever. Yeah. It, it's... Once again, because I had this issue uh, growing up just in a small town, you know, kind of off in your own little world. And I grow up and I, I watch things on TV and I go, oh, look, that's so cool. But that's something that only happens on TV. That's not real life. And yet on the other side is just people living their lives. It's just people doing their things. They're building motorcycles, whatever it may be. Yeah. You know, and you're like that's cool but having that knowledge of like uh well if it's on tv it's probably not real first of all and not making that differentiation between that's pretty advanced for a kid i gotta say a lot of kids your age at that time watching color television mm -hmm. were thinking whoa this is so real Everything is real on TV. I believe it all. No, I was going the other way where I was like, there's got to be something else going on here. You know, why is this? And even if I did like, okay, not only is it happening on TV, but now it's happening in California. Mm -hmm. You know, it's happening in another country mm -hmm. on the other side of the continent. Like there's... So abstract. Exactly. I You don't know how or what that means. Yeah. And then you start you know, then I just said, fuck it. I'm going to try and find a way there anyways, you know, in my own, in my own sense. And you end up meeting people and being in the same industry as folk that you bring up these things that you watch on TV and they go, oh yeah, we had a booth set up beside them <laughs> last year, yeah, last summer at like the breaking convention. your concept of reality. But, but it absolutely, <laughs> because it puts into perspective how small it actually is once you remove the screen and you actually go out and you you become a part of it and you get involved and you you know it is an eight-hour plane ride seems almost impossible in, in the beginning you go what is that because you don't know what's on the other side you don't know if there's going to be a place for you to put your foot down when you get out there or are you just going to crash and you're going to have to get back on the plane and, and you know yeah. find your your comfort zone, your solid ground that you're you're good with standing on, and and to, but once you've done that, and you're like, oh okay, we're we're building momentum. You start building that that momentum. Well, suddenly an eight hour plane ride to go to the other side of the world to do some performance in in a castle in France or hanging out wherever it means, it it just starts making sense, to the point you're like, yeah, why wouldn't I do that? And it goes back to what we were talking about with regard to the concept of time mm -hmm. and space because mm. the amount of time it takes to get somewhere, and this is totally metaphorical, the time it takes to get somewhere, I mean, that could mean anything, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. which is very intentional for this conversation. And then the space, the space the space what is space <laughs> you know the time and space of it all mm -hmm. so it actually works to dilate our concept of the earth and life and also expand it at the same time because if you've never traveled if you've never left your home if you've never understood what it means to be in a place that is unfamiliar to you then you're not going to think that there's possibilities. No. And certainly you're not going to think that those possibilities could pertain to you and what you could do with your life. <laughs> 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. I might see you out there. I have no idea who you are.